Hello and welcome to the PCOS Nutritionist Podcast. My name is Claire. I am a registered nutritionist and I have background in exercise science and natural fertility education as well. And I specialize in PCOS because I have it too. And I spent far too many years trying to figure out what was going on in my body. Uh, and I want to give you the shortcut to understand how, why your body is doing what it's doing, why it's, you're getting these symptoms. And that really it's about the un- answer isn't following what I have done or following what other women have done, but instead figuring out for you what that root cause is. So PCOS is a condition of our genetics just not working right with our environment. And if we can understand what the environmental kind of triggers are, like insulin or stress hormones or thyroid or inflammation, we can often in many cases have substantial improvements in symptoms. And this is why I'm bringing on a few women that I've worked with just to share their story because you might not resonate with my story but there might be something about the lovely Karina who we've got today and her story that you know really you can see holy moly that is me uh, and I need to figure this out for myself. So Karina is from Chicago. She is um, a nursing student so she's getting her master's in nursing and for her you know similar although she had this medical background she couldn't figure out why she was constantly gaining weight, um, why she couldn't lose weight, and why her hair was falling out. So after many years of being frustrated, she came and joined us in the PCS protocol. And um, you know, for her, she was doing a heck of a lot of exercise, eating really well. So it just didn't make sense to her why her body was reacting the way it was and gaining weight. Um, but when she figured out... Um, what the problem was it all started to make sense and she has you know her body has responded really well luckily so without further ado we'll bring Karina on to talk about her story and um, she can share with you more about that I know I was in my my undergrad um, I was getting my undergrad degree so I was very very stressed out I did put on a lot of weight I thought it was related to being in college because you know they say the freshman 15 but for (laughs) me it was more like the freshman 50 like I was really heavy I think my heaviest was 255 pounds um, which is crazy to say because like I never even realized that I got that heavy or when I did. I was first diagnosed with um, the hypothyroidism. um, And then actually I had appendicitis and I had surgery for that. So it was just like a really weird time for my body. It just felt like I was okay. Then I wasn't. I'm like, what the heck is going on with my body? I don't understand. And then my period started getting irregular and I went to my primary doctor and he did um, like the ultrasound with the do for the PCOS and they didn't find any cysts. So he's like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. So then I was like, well, knowing my background and like in the sciences, I'm like, well, there has to be something else because it's not lining up. So then I went to an endocrinologist and she was a little bit more well-versed um, and was able to diagnose me based on like other symptoms and other labs that she drew. Um, and so, I mean, she put me on metformin. I tried birth control and I didn't really like it. So I stopped it. Um, and then I guess from what I, the research I did, it was like, okay, you need to lose weight. So I, I guess like two years ago, I really started working out like really, really hard. I did like boxing classes. I did group classes and I, I did manage to lose some weight. I got down to about um, maybe like 220, 215 around there. Um, but then I kind of like stopped and I still had symptoms. I still had like the acne, like the cystic acne. Um, I still had a lot of fat in like my midsection and I still do, but like, I'm like, why isn't it going away? Why is it so hard for me? 
Um, and I didn't realize a lot of it was based on my diet. It wasn't until I did your protocol and I'll, where I like was like, well, like this is, this is like 90 to 99% of what I need to change, not just like exercise. And the diet turned out to be like a more difficult change for me to make as opposed to exercise. Cause I had been used to it working out cause I, I did sports when I was younger or whatever. So like that wasn't as challenging, I guess. Um, but I think the diet definitely was like the turning point because um, I started it in January. And like you talked about, I, I got my labs drawn last year at the end of last year. And then again, recently, and they improved like greatly, like significantly more than, um, than they had been in the past while being on metformin and on the birth control. Um, those are really the only two medications I took for the PCOS. Um, and then I'm, I was able to lose 20 pounds. I, I, I only did um, measurements at first, but then I had to go back to my doctor. So they have to weigh you. And I was like dreading it. I'm like, oh no, like what is the scale going to say? Um, because like you recommend not, not using the scale. And I, and I, have, I didn't use the scale and I felt really good not having to like measure myself, like weigh myself every day, you know? So mm -hmm. when I saw that number, I was like, oh wow, like this is crazy. Like for me to lose 20 pounds in three months is like ridiculously hard. You know, it's not something that my body does. It takes me a really long time. It could take me like a year to lose 20 pounds. Mm. Um, so I think. And that was like comparing that to when you were just obviously looking out. and so much of what's online is telling women with PCOS, it's like, just lose 5% of your body weight and symptoms will improve. And so yeah. you think, well, how am I going to do that? Okay. Like, right. I need to, mm -hmm exercise more or eat less or whatever it is you think and so for you you picked up the exercise right like that was a thing you were like right yeah. okay, I'm gonna do the ex all of the exercise I was working out really really hard like I was sleeping four hours so I could make it to a 6 a.m class and then get to class and then get to work so I was just like in overdrive trying to just really fit in an hour of like intense hit workouts I was doing strength training uh, sorry strength training and then the hip um, boot camps um, and I thought I was like helping my body and then it turns out like actually no your testosterone is super high and you're losing your hair and it's like all this stuff is happening and I just like I like had like a mini panic attack I'm like what the hell like why is why is this not working and then I happened to stumble upon your page and I'm like you know what let me just give this a try I mean what what's there to lose at this point so um, so that's where I I just you know, I, I thought like the doctors are listening, but they're really not. So I need to do something for myself to try to figure out what's going on and really understand what's going on. Because even what they teach you about PCOS in nursing and medicine, it's not like what you have taught us. It's not like the big picture. It's not going down to the science of like what's going on in my body. How are my hormones like? reacting how come they're not reacting the way they're supposed to so that was really troubling to me because I'm like okay they're teaching me about a condition I have but it's not telling me what I should do to like yeah. fix it it's just like lose the weight what's yeah. wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is a really big um problem in the medical world at the moment is that the PCOS is still seen as a condition of uh in kind of an abbreviated way is a fat girl condition really yeah. right like 
I kind of got, I did, we didn't really do any of this in my degree, but for you, by the sounds of things, that, that's what is taught. And it's just like, okay, well, if you just lose the weight, then it will help. Um, and I mean, the research shows that a little bit of weight loss can be really helpful for some symptoms. But when you actually look at and further into the research, you see that, well, if women can improve their insulin, regardless of weight loss, they will also see improvements. And we do know that weight loss improves insulin resistance. When we look at that, we go, well, is it the weight or actually is it the insulin? And insulin being a you know, weight gain, being one of a, a really big um, list of uh, results of insulin resistance, we then go, right, well, actually, let's look at the real problem here. And I, I don't think from what I'm saying that actually the weight is the issue. It's the insulin for most people. Mm. And so if we actually look at that, then we go, right. So if we see to a woman, okay, well, this is what PCOS is and we've done some testing and yes, you do have some insulin resistance and here's how to improve insulin resistance and here's how to improve that. That will then improve your PCOS symptoms. I think we'd be super res responsive to that, right? We want to know how to improve our health and, and improve our symptoms. But the thing is, we're just not getting that right information. Yeah. I feel like a lot of providers are just not, educated enough mm. or haven't like delved into it, the research because I don't know I think it's a big enough problem from the statistics that that they should know um actually my primary care doctor she has PCOS so she has been the one that I have like confided in the most because my endocrinologist she's just like oh well I don't know why your hair is falling out you're on the metformin I don't know why this is that and I'm just like okay well I'm not going to talk to you because you don't you're not listening to what I'm saying and then my other doctor, who's just a general practitioner, like she speaks from experience. So even if she doesn't have all the answers, like she was able to give me some tips and like things that I could do and just like mm -hmm. a little bit more reassurance, you know. Um, but and that's so helpful, right? Like to have, especially, to, you know, it's so great to have someone who's gone through it too, who's your primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. um, but I think too still the, a lot of the, um, the response is, okay, well, here, here's these medications that will help. And it's like, great, medications can be really helpful, but they're not the only thing. Like, what about how I could change my diet or how I could change my lifestyle? Yeah. And, you know, they can have as big an impact as, uh, as, you know, medication. And also combined too, possibly we can have double the effect than what we could have mm -hmm. with just doing one thing. Yeah, the metformin is, like, interesting because it's like their holy grail for like pre-diabetics and like just preventing, you know, diabetes. But when I look at my, like my own labs, like my blood sugar was like right on the borderline, of like 99 as a fasting. And that was with the metformin alone. And then when I made the changes in my diet, it dropped down to like 92 or 93. And I just thought that was so interesting because obviously there was something else that the metformin wasn't, you know, wasn't really helping with or something maybe just my sugar intake was too high or just the way that I was eating, but it's just like the metformin alone isn't going to, going to solve yeah, the issue. Totally. So. It's kind of like, um, you know, metformin alone is not going to undo the work of a shitty diet, right? Mm -hmm. because what, so what metformin does is it helps to improve our insulin by um, stopping our liver from producing more glucose because obviously we don't need more because we have already enough in our bloodstream. Um, and uh, and also they think that it uh, slightly alters the way that our mitochondria and our cell, um, the way that they work. And the response of that is that we get slightly lower blood sugar. But it's mm -hmm. like, okay, so, but if we've already got, if we're taking in a lot of 
sugar from, and uh, from our diet. And then we're going to try and basically just stopping our liver from producing more blood glucose. Then we are really just kind of trying to cover up that first part. Whereas actually if we address that first part by just changing the diet, then the metformin could do additional work. And yeah. as you saw in your labs, you know, start to decrease that from 99 to 92. And that yeah, yeah. It makes a complete sense why addressing both things could have the double impact that just doing one of them would. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, I even sought out like a nutritionist or well, I start, sought out like maybe potentially getting bariatric surgery. Cause I'm like, I don't know what else to do. Like nothing yeah. is working. And they, part of that program was you had to see a nutritionist mm-hmm. and she, I mean, what she recommended was like nothing like what you recommended and hers was more like basically putting people into like one box and another box and like you need to do this not necessarily addressing like insulin and like sugar and like all that like yes that's bad but she didn't really go into detail why it's bad for me specifically um it was more like a general um education I guess so I didn't really like resonate with me I guess so it was stuff that I I already knew um just based on like my background and me trying to Mm -hmm. lose like my entire life like carbs are bad or not too many carbs are bad yeah. or these carbs are bad, but it's not like this is how you should structure your day um, in order to just not have sugar cravings or not to get hangry or, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. Trying to address the, the issue first of instead of just saying don't eat sugar, it's like, well, that's all very well to say, but if these cravings are wild, how am I going to do yeah. that? Versus, mm-hmm. okay, let's just not get you on the sugar coaster to start with. And mm-hmm. And then we can make it so much easier to not have that. And I bet you that your diet was actually really bloody good. I mean, you know, the fact that you're a master's in nursing and you've already done your own research to figure out how to, you know, to address this. It's not like you were eating McDonald's three times a day with the, you know, Dunkin' Donuts for morning, like for morning break and and stuff, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't eating horribly like I was I think I probably ate more fast food than I do now I really don't eat it now but um my diet was pretty good like I would eat oatmeal for breakfast now I know I would I do that but um because I thought that was healthy you know it's like yeah, totally. the whole grain it, it, it you know, is like, healthy for, for a lot of people but it's mm-hmm. just when your insulin is not working properly it's probably not the you know probably yeah. make your so, blood sugar boil a little bit mm-hmm. so yeah like I wasn't eating horribly and that's why I was like confused. I'm like, why am I not losing the weight? Do I need to cut more calories? And I never felt comfortable like cutting my calories super like too much because I just would get so, so hungry. And yeah. I just wasn't something that um, worked for me. So I think I really liked your, like the, the way you taught it was like, instead of thinking about what am I going to take away, think about things that I'm going to like add into my diet. So that really helped me um, not miss those foods. So yeah. Um, that was really, really helpful as well as, um, the protein for breakfast that was challenging at first, but once I was able to like master it, I'm like, Oh my God, this is actually working. Like I don't have these crazy sugar cravings. I'm not eating. So for me to cut the sugar cravings, what I was doing was like eating more fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, and so not during the protocol, but before, before I was eating healthy or whatever, um, so I thought that was doing me good, but I, I didn't realize that was just a crazy sugar craving that I was having, that I was having like three, four apples a day. Yeah. That wasn't normal. 
And it wasn't until I did the high protein diets that I'm like, okay, I don't even crave the apple. Like I'll have one, but I don't, I don't feel like I need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was really nice. And I think that as well, it's just, it, it, it can be just such small tweaks. You know, it's not like massive changes to your diet but it's just like hey okay let's just change this part first and we'll see how like that improves things mm-hmm. um and for you because PCOS is not the only condition that you have right mm-hmm. what yeah, else I is going the, on I have the hypothyroidism and mm-hmm. then um I had like a low vitamin d for a while like right. my whole life I mean I, I live in Chicago it's we don't yeah. get much sun so um I mean, it was always hard for me to bring that level up. And for some reason now, like my body's like processing it better. I don't know that it's in normal range, but it's just those two things, the thyroid and then. And so many women don't just have one thing with PCOS. It's not like say just your insulin wasn't functioning properly. Um, Mm -hmm. It, you know, it is often hypothyroidism as well or stress hormones or something else. So for you, there's, you know, multiple moving parts. Um, but had anyone ever investigated your insulin before? Um, no, not really. I mean, just put you on metformin. Yeah, just for the PCOS, and based on my family history, like my dad's diabetic. I'm I'm Mexican, so we eat a lot of like you know sugar and carbs. So it's like diabetes runs in the family. So they yeah. just were like, okay, let's prevent her diabetes and let's treat her PCOS. So that's the reason why. Mm. And, I mean, and as a master's nursing student, you probably understood what metformin did, right? Whereas mm-hmm. many women with PCOS don't know that. They just say, oh, this is the drug for PCOS and get put on it, but not understanding mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. an insulin sensitizer, it's not, Yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, it's like used almost like off label for, for fertility. And yeah. the only reason it's not a fertility drug, it's to help bring insulin down to allow your body to ovulate. But mm-hmm. it's very rarely explained to women what it actually is doing and why they're taking it. And, and that is oh, that it, how that, that is connected with their changing their lifestyle and diet and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I continued to take it because I figured it would help, like you said, it'd just be like an additional boost. Yeah. I know a lot of people are more like holistic and natural and just I, I felt like I couldn't do that just because I'm in the medical field. I'm like, okay, I can't completely disregard it. Like, I just need to give it a try and just incorporate it and keep trying it. Maybe one day I won't use it anymore. Um, but for now, you know. It's what's working for you. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said, it's that additional part, right? Like I, I think that I was just thinking when we were talking about that before, a drug like Orlistat, which is a, you know what Orlistat is, right? That's the one that stops your body from absorbing fat. It's often mm-hmm. used for, uh, weight, yeah. So for for weight loss, and it will stop your body from absorbing fat. Metformin's not like that. It's not like it stops your body from absorbing sugar. And I think this is where there's often a bit of confusion. People think, okay, well, this is going to stop me from absorbing the sugar, so therefore it doesn't really matter what I eat. But it doesn't work that way. So that's why it has to be kind of in to have. Mm-hmm. I think to have best results, it's got to be in combination with lifestyle changes. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And that the lifestyle changes is like what isn't ingrained into the patient's mind and that's what is mind-boggling to me and it really for lack of a better word it pisses me off because I'm like how can we sit here as medical professionals and preach this medication but we're not addressing the main issue like that's just like my biggest problem and I actually just finished my women's health class for my program 
and the one of the last topics was PCOS and I was just so mad like listening to the lecture I'm like this is right but it's so wrong like you're not even like getting to the gist of it and it's just like they just treat it like it's nothing like super serious and I'm like well it is serious it affects women and in so many ways like your whole body you like your mind you know so it's absolutely disappointing yeah I would totally agree and I think the thing is that still it's treated as just a fertility condition which Mm -hmm. is so not like it is it affects so such wider range of people's lives and women's lives than just fertility for most women who get diagnosed fertility is far from what they're even considering at that time when they get diagnosed in their maybe late teens early 20s and Mm -hmm. so you know, but we know that, for example, 60% of women that have PCOS also have depression or anxiety. Um, and so you're like, well, come on, like, isn't, there's so much more to this woman than just being a reproductive vessel. And why don't we actually help her have an optimally healthy life rather than just going, okay, well, yeah, bad luck. Um, it's going to be pretty shitty for you sometimes, um, but you know, the most important thing is that you can still get pregnant. So come back here and see us when you want to get pregnant because, you know, that's yeah. really what we care about. And it's just, it's such a sad, sad world we live in if that's all we care about in terms of women's health. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, I noticed a lot of posts on like the Facebook group is like the new members or like people who are trying to get pregnant or mm-hmm. like have struggled. And I just find it interesting, like how, like why the spectrum is of PCOS. Cause I'm, I got diagnosed when I was like in my tw- early twenties, I'm 25 now. Like I don't plan on having kids for another five, six years. I'm just like, am I going to be in their shoes? Like, am I going to, is it going to be easier? I don't know. But like studies say that some women struggle with fertility and others don't. So it's just like, where, where is the line between that? You know, it's, it's just so it's such a complex disease and just to say that it's a reproductive disease is just like a slap in the face because it's it's really the whole body it's like it's an endocrine disease basically yeah and that's why it needs to have a name change 100 percent. the emphasis needs to be taken away from the polycystic ovaries which yeah almost irrelevant and but lead you when you're first diagnosed to think oh my god i've got these like well for me anyway these kind of precancerous cysts and they're causing all of this issue where it's like they're not doing anything. They're just a, a symptom in this whole thing. It's your metabolism that, and your, like, as you said, endocrine system that's affecting both your metabolism. And it's also affecting your, uh, your, your sex hormones. Mm-hmm. And the result is these symptoms that you're getting. And so if you can work on that, like getting your systems, your endocrine system back working properly, then a lot of these symptoms will resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right that it, the research does show that some women struggle, some women don't. Um, and, but also clinically, I can say that most women that I see, once we kind of address that root cause, then they um, can go on to conceive quite easily. And so I think that it's not just sort of luck of the draw, like, oh, will I be one of those people? It's like, no, I've actually, I'm ovulating. I've got you know, my luteal phase is sufficient. So it's like, you know, uh, 14, uh, you know, that time after I've ovulated to when I get my period is a long enough time for a fertilized egg to travel down the fallopian tubes and enter into the uterus, um, which means I've got sufficient progesterone and everything. So you can know, I would say 80% of the things that affect fertility from PCOS, you can know this years out from when you want to conceive, right? And if you're, so if you've got those main things, then, um, then that's really what you can control and you've, 
you're 80% of the way there. Um, So it's really just about understanding fertility. And I think this is another problem is that most women and also most doctors don't understand female reproductive cycle and fertility and knowing that yourself and then controlling what you can and then the other parts you can't control anyway. So you can't really do much about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So for you, the, um, what has been the other things that have been really surprising to you going now kind of changing your lifestyle to suit your body and help your body? What have been some of the things that have been surprising to you that have come out of that? Um, I think, I think like mentally I've evolved a lot. Like I think before I was really negative about my symptoms and like what I was going through. And I felt like there really wasn't much that I could do. Like it was, I felt like really powerless, I guess. Mm. Um, And now just being able to see those improvements, I'm like, it motivates me just to keep going and, you know, keep, keep up with the lifestyle and the way I don't even like calling it like lifestyle changes anymore. It's kind of just like who I am. Like yeah. I, I want to say like I'm special. Like I don't want to like put myself down and say like, Oh, I have to eat this way. Or, Cause my family, like they don't eat the way I do. And they're like, Oh, well, why can't you have a tortilla? Why can't you this? Why, why don't you want that? I'm like, well, I don't, it's not that I don't want to have it. It's like, I don't need to have it. I just don't mm-hmm. desire it anymore because I know I'm going to feel shitty after I may feel shitty after I may feel bloated. I may feel this. I may feel that. So I just, I just feel like I'm more mentally, I'm more able to say no to people. I'm, I'm more like, I'm kinder to myself and like understanding why I'm doing the things I'm doing, not seeing it as a punishment and more as like me taking control and like having power over like myself and my body. Um, so that has been really, really great. Like, I think that's wonderful. And I, I, I think the really amazing thing is that getting away from punishing your body and realizing that this is not something to punish my body for. I just, I need to work with it and yeah. punishing it. Like, you know, getting only allowing yourself four hours sleep so you can get up and punish it with exercise is like never going to end well. And, and eventually that will catch up and, yeah. um, you know, whether that's physically or probably psychologically as well and go, actually, I'm just, I'm too tired to do this anymore is yeah. a, a very likely scenario. Um, and actually realizing, as you said, that you can like love your body and work with your body without having to, uh, you know, and to really punish it. And that sometimes eating things or not eating things is, can, can not feel restrictive when you understand why you're doing it. So for mm-hmm. example, for me, you know, uh, when it comes to sugar, cause I am insulin resistant and well have been, I know that I've always had that genetic predisposition. So for me, you know, instead making doing some baking with alternative sugars and stuff like that is I, I love them just as much. It's great. And so I don't feel like I'm missing out. And, and also when I do say no to stuff, it's because I just really don't want it. And also I, I know that it's not going to be great for me. So Mm. the fact that I'm not craving the sugar like what it was before, it's not, I don't feel like I have to like pull myself away from, um, you know, when I'm offered something and I, I know it's not going to be great for me. It's like, well, I'm not craving it in the first place. So it's easier to just be like, nah, actually that's not going to be great. I don't need that right now. And I feel like here in the U S like the culture, like junk food and just like fast food and sugar is so like, it's such a norm Mm. that when you turn it down, it's like people like, they're like, oh, well, you think you're better because you're not going to eat this or like you're snobby because you're not taking the chips that I'm offering you. It's like, 
it's like frustrating for me because I'm like, I don't want to have to explain myself and why I'm making the decisions, but also like I kind of do because people like, I don't know, they just like judge you. They're like, oh, you're such a health snob. I'm like, no, well, actually, I really can't eat those, those things, you know. And I don't know how it is in other countries, but it's definitely a thing here, you know. Yeah, I think it's most of the Western world, right? But probably the yeah. US is a little bit more heightened. And, and I know yeah. for you guys, like, you probably have a lot more sort of holidays and celebrations than mm -hmm. what we do and the food component is super important to those as well yeah. which it is everywhere in the world like christmas and easter and everything is super important in any western culture but mm. i think i feel like you guys have more holidays with like your thanksgiving and like halloween and kind of everything mm -hmm. is around food so you need to be able to you know have that position where you go actually no I don't feel like that what what do you say to people because I think this is a really interesting thing as to how do you say to people no I, I don't feel like that or I don't want that without having to explain yourself I think I from my experience I've I'm just firm with saying no like I just say no thank you like I have my own snack or like no thank you I'm gonna have my lunch and a few I don't want to ruin my my dinner or whatever mm. and ironically in nursing like we're, we're nurses we're supposed to like lead by example right but the reality is like a lot of times nurses eat like crap like people bring us cookies people bring us pizza like the hospital will order us pizza like to say thank you I'm like okay well can I get a salad or something like a little healthier so it's it's definitely like a constant thing where I just have to say no and people are always like oh wow you're so good I'm like I guess thank you yes I am good <laughs> but I, I guess I just say no Thank you. <laughs> for mm -hmm. the accolade. Um, yeah, for me, I kind of, I, I mostly just say, um, no, thanks. I don't feel like that. And it, and it gets you out of having to, when, say, when you, you know, if people say, oh, why, why don't you want this? It's like, oh, I just don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. And then there's nothing people can argue with that about, right? It's like, well, what do you mean you don't feel like it? I just don't feel like it. Thanks. Mm -hmm. And whereas if you say, oh, no, I don't eat that, then we're like, why? And then like, mm -hmm. oh, but oh, I've got this. And it's, oh, but oh, no, I've heard that. People with yeah. insulin resistance, someone went vegan and they cured their insulin resistance. So why don't you try going vegan? And you're like, oh, get F off. Like, okay, thank yeah. you for your uneducated input, but I am actually, understand my condition, I understand what I'm doing. Um, so mm -hmm. it, it gets you out of having to talk or explain anything about that. And it's just like, no, I don't, I just don't feel like it. And there's no justification required. Yeah. So I don't like to justify it anymore. So I just say no. Like, it's really hard to like, in my culture, like, if someone offers you food like you have like you have to take it or else it's disrespect but now I'm just like I'm sorry like grandma I can't I can't take this like I can't eat it I'll, I'll give it to somebody else who could have it or give it to someone you know who will appreciate yeah. it I don't know but I just can't eat it um, and I think it's the same with most with most cultures right it's a mm -hmm. when you know people offer you food or it's it's impolite to say no but I think mm -hmm. we've got to get away from that now like we our lives have changed so much we're not Living a hundred years ago where food was scarce and when someone offered you something that was because yeah. they were literally giving you a shirt off their own back, it's like, guys, we need to move on from this and, and realize that we need to look after ourselves and that we can't continue to live those same ways we, we did a hundred years ago because our environment is not the same way as what it was a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's ingrained deeply in, our, in culture but i mean i think it's important to just stand your ground and you know yeah. just advocate and it's for up yourself. to us 
it's up to us because we are the new generation of our cultures. And so it's up to us to say, hey, look, nah, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'm not going to stand for being made to feel guilty because I didn't want to eat something that I know is going to lead me to develop type 2 diabetes in 30 years, like my parents. I'm going to actually put, draw a line in the sand and say, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm, not part, I'm not taking part of this part of the culture anymore. It's similar to, well, I mean, this is really exaggerated, Claire, but in terms of like the treatment of women and in, in, in many cultures, right? Like that has evolved over the last hundred years and that, you know, it was especially um, seen to be something that you could do in like a Catholic culture to, um, you know, to not treat your wife um, as well mm. as what you would now. And that's had to be gone actually like, no, that shouldn't be part of our culture anymore. And we're going to remove that. And so cultures have evolved, but mm. so why not have them involved in the way that they, um, we, the way we, celebrate with food and, and what foods that is and how we actually work with our body to make sure that our, all of our people are the healthiest they can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely like being a woman and, you know, for me, like the way I grew up, the woman is in charge of the food and like feeding the family. So I know when I have my family, like they're going to eat the way I do because I'm going to be the one cooking. But it's like when I cook for my family, they're like, oh, this is so healthy. Like they kind of look at it like <laughs> I want something unhealthy. And I'm like, well, if you want something, then go make it yourself because I'm not going to make it. <laughs> and that's, I mean, the amazing thing for you is that this has already started to affect your family as well, right? Like I know this has had a big Im impact on your boyfriend's health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like it's been so helpful with him because he he wanted to lose weight. Like he's not overweight, but he just wanted to like, you know, lose the weight and just be healthy in general because he's studying medicine too so it was just like you know the right thing to do um to just try to be a healthier person practice what you preach so um he we did it together basically like he made a lot of the changes with me we eat breakfast together like I cook for him he'd cook for me and like I would kind of tweak what I couldn't have and like he would just have like the carbs in the morning but I wouldn't and we worked out together since the quarantine, like the quarantine, we haven't been able to go to the gym, but like we've been working out like in the backyard or just inside the apartment. But it's been, it's been such a huge difference. And then when I come home to my parents' house, I'm actually at my parents' house now. It's much more challenging for me. Um, I'm, I'm good at it now, but like they have other snacks around that I can't have. And they're just like snacking and snacking and snacking. I'm like, okay, well, I can't do this. And then I, when I met with my boyfriend, it's just like, it's such having that support like makes yeah. a huge difference. Like he doesn't like judge or like he's actually like lactose intolerant. So that was easy, but um, like cutting out the dairy and stuff, but it's definitely like having a partner who's going to support you. Cause like in previous relationships, I've had partners who were like, you need to lose weight. Like you need to start losing weight. And on the other hand, he's like, okay, well we can do this together. Like we can, you know, make these changes together. And he's seen like a benefit like his, his friends have told him too, like, oh, wow, you look really good and stuff. And for him, it's like physical. But for me, it's like my entire body is like transformed. So it's, it's cool to see how it'll, it affects other people. It's not just us that it can benefit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the th thing is it's so crucial to have people in your life that support you. And maybe that's not eating the same thing as you, but it's just that they respect your Mm -hmm. They respect your body and they also respect you enough to not say things like you need to lose weight, right? Like that is, yeah. you know, and I think that's a really crucial thing for us to, you know, to see is that we need 
we need partners and we need people in our life who are going to respect us and respect our choices, even if that doesn't, that might not mean that they eat the same thing as us and, and because they have completely different genetics or different, um, different body and they have different requirements, but they have enough respect to then say, right, what can I cook for you? How do I, you know, how, how do I modify this meal that I want to make that's going to suit you? Mm-hmm. And that is, that is a partnership. That is, that is respect um, that we all deserve to have. And I'm so glad that also, you know, for him, it was, it was helpful for him as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, He'll, you know, he'll cave here and there, but in the end we just fall back to like eating the way that makes us feel good. Good. Because that's, that's what we've learned from it is like our bodies are more, we're more energized. We're just like, we're more productive. We just feel good. We don't feel sluggish. We don't want to take a nap every two, three hours. You know, it's just, we're more productive humans because yeah. we're like nourishing our bodies the way we're supposed to. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad that you are our next generation of medical professionals. You too. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, a revolution. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And so for you, Karina, is there anything that you would encourage other women who are in the same position as what you were a couple of years ago? What, what would be the things that you would say to them or to how to, Maybe, maybe it's how to talk to their doctor or anything, any words of wisdom you've got for them? Um, something that I wish I would have told myself so I would tell other people is to, like, not be afraid of, like, a diagnosis. Like, to still not be afraid of your body either. It's, it's really about, like, taking, it in, taking matters into your own hands because from what I've learned from being in the medical field, like, medicine can only take you so far doctors and providers are humans too so they don't know everything so you really have to take charge of yourself your body and like your knowledge and what you know and just seeking out that information because not one person is going to tell you everything except for you like you you've been so helpful but like you have to seek out other sources to kind of figure out what's going on because if you expect one medication to solve the problem that's you're not going to get anywhere so it's really just not being afraid and just pushing yourself to take like the reins into your own hands and just do the research and just start take that first step I think is to do research because once you like open that like that door it's like okay wow there's so much out here that wasn't explained to me and that I I should know yeah so that's what I would say nice and I think that's very true what you said there's not one person that's going to be able to give you all the like like I couldn't prescribe hormone because that's not part of what I can legally do. And, and mm-hmm. so, and same thing, you know, your doctor that's, or, and, or your nurse or your nurse practitioner, whoever you're working with can't necessarily tell you what lifestyle changes are going to be the biggest, make the biggest impact for you because you're just not yeah. taught that. So mm-hmm. how can you give this to your patient when you don't know this information yourself? And mm-hmm. that's why, um, as you said, it's up to you to seek out the professionals in this area. And that unfortunately no one is going to, just you know take this off your hands and be like right come with me I'm going to sort everything out for you because unfortunately mm-hmm. there isn't that person at the moment and so yeah kind and of like but it's the same as anything in life right we have to navigate ourselves it's not like someone's going to sit down right here's the perfect career for you and here's what you're going to do you're going to do this undergrad and then you're going to go and through do this you know postgrad and here's the places that you're going to work out and here's who you should mm-hmm. um you know be friends with because they're very influential no one's going to give you that roadmap you have to figure this out for yourself and yeah. so it's, it's no different when it comes to your health i think for for medicine too like 
now the big thing is with being a team and working as a team. I'm sure you've heard that. And the patient is part of the team and the patient is important, right? So I think the way we should teach patients is you're the leader of the team. It's not the doctor. It's not the nurse. You're the one that has to like, you know, not just advocate for yourself, but like, you know, be the center of it and know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's privilege of me to say that, like, cause I, I'm educated I'm I have health insurance. I'm able to access these resources and I'm sure it's challenging for other people who don't have that. But, um, just being, seeing where I was like two years ago, a year ago, three months ago, it's like, now I feel like I'm in control of the team and I know, you know, I know the steps that I need to take. I know what labs I want. I know why I want it. And if the doctor says, oh, well, you don't need it. I'm like, well, I want it. And I, this is why I want it. And then yeah. they'll do it for me because yeah. we're all working as a team. You know, it's not, it's not them calling the shots. It's, it's you totally. calling the shots. Absolutely. And you need to recruit your own team. I think that's a big mm-hmm. thing as well is that you, you know, and you need to say who's going to be there because, and this is, this is a really bad thing. I think at the moment in medicine is that there's a lot of uh, just comp, uh, alternative medicine, say like, and, and unfortunately, nutrition would be still classified in sort of in terms of alternative medicine, which is crazy. But mm. there's not a lot of gelling between modern medicine and, and alternative and complementary medicine. Mm-hmm. So you've got to also recruit your own team and go, well, actually, this is who I want on my team because I've mm-hmm. done, you know, I've done my research and I've seen these are the people that are going to be best placed to help me and not let other people influence you and say, well, no, diet's not going to do anything. Like, don't even bother going there because unfortunately that is still the message that a lot of women are getting is nah, mm. diet. Especially, I think, lean PCOS women get told this a lot, that diet's not going to help them at all because they're not overweight. And it's still mm. seen that the only place nutrition plays is in the role of weight loss, which is yeah. bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, really great advice. Recruit your own team and you be the leader of your own team um, and do as much research as you can in terms of understanding it as yourself so you can be informed and and ask the right questions Mm -hmm. fabulous well thank you so much Karina. that has been amazing to talk to you and all the very best for your continued health journey Um, thank you so glad to have met you and and chatted to you today so thanks so much thank you nice to see you nice to meet you and thank you so much for everything you've like completely made my life so much better and I'm so so thankful that I clicked on your page one random night where I was spiraling into panic (laughs) so yeah so that's all we've got today from Karina Uh, if you are in a similar position and you're like oh my god I am so frustrated why is my body doing this I need to work with someone who knows what they're doing then that's exactly why I created my program the PCOS protocol. So the PCOS protocol was born out of me working with hundreds of women with PCOS one-on-one and you know my background so after I finished my degree in exercise science and nutrition I went and worked in technology for many years and coming back to health I was like man this system is so inefficient how can we do things smarter and after working with women for years I was like man I do the same thing and say the same thing day after day week in, week out, year in, year out. How can we do this more efficiently? I figured out that with PCOS, there's generally one of sort of one of five things that can go wrong. And if I could make it more efficient in terms of figuring out what the problem is 
then it was relatively easy to create the solution. And so what I get you to do in the first week of the protocol is, is really what I do in a clinical setting where I would you know, look at symptoms and look at blood test results and therefore identify, okay, is it insulin? Is it stress hormones? Is it thyroid? Is it post-pill? Is it inflammation? Is it a combination of a few of them? And uh, to understand what the main thing that's going wrong and then we can give you that treatment. So that's what I created that for. It's exactly the same process as what I'd go through working with someone one-on-one. Okay, so it's not like you're getting any less information. It's just that I've sped that process up. So instead of me having to trawl through and look through everyone's symptoms, the algorithm that I've created does that instead. So it's just a, a smarter way of how we can do that and and idea and overall a cheaper way. So instead of working with someone for an hour to go through what the problem is and your medical history and everything like that and then come back and see them every month for follow ups and changes in your plan, um, it is it, we can, you know, we can do that and, and hopefully save you money along the way. So when you're looking at it, you might go, oh God, that's a lot of money to spend. But actually what and what you would be doing is spending that anyway, regardless kind of in multiple follow-ups because you can never get everything. I can't give you everything you need to do in one appointment. I've tried doing it before and it's a massive failure because I will overwhelm you and you will leave and go, holy hell, that was a lot of information to take in and now I don't know what I'm doing. So what I found was that I had to give women only a couple of changes to make and then they would have to come and see me every couple of weeks for the first you know few months and then months and it was costing them a lot of money it was costing them you know thousands of dollars to do that and so this is the way that we can deliver that same information to you but in a you know not only um, cheaper for you and more economical but also means that you not just have me to check in with but you have the whole group of women who are going through the same thing as you and that's as well what I found was missing in a clinical setting was that community support of having you know like we we use a private Facebook group in ours and it's the you know women can be like oh my god I am really struggling today can someone just give me some words of encouragement and everyone jumps in there and was like oh my god I've been where you are here's what I did or it's okay just vent just get through it to tomorrow's you know just focus on your next meal or focus on this kind of aspect of your life go for a walk you know so many different and supportive suggestions and comments and just that space to vent or on the opposite it's like oh my god this week massive achievement I you know implemented this step and I feel so great about doing that and that you know I've never really been able to stick to anything in my life and finally I'm feeling so good that I'm you know really you know have implemented these new habit changes and they're sticking and I'm finding that I'm you know not hungry all the time or not getting sugar cravings or I got my period back or you know support like that that it's really hard to when other people don't understand you're like guys 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 I've like you know I can now go like three hours without eating this is a miracle for me or four hours or five hours so it's just people that understand you people that get you and um and I I really found that in a clinical setting working with women one-on-one that was really missing and it showed it showed in the success rates I mean all of the psychology studies around habit changes so it showed that having that community support is so valuable for helping to actually implement and stick with changes for the long term and that's what we're all about we're not about you know you changing things for six weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks and then you know going back to the way you were before we want I want you to ensure that you can you know upkeep these changes that are going to impact your lifelong health not just it's not some sort of 
transformation diet. I'm so, so not into those. So if you're interested in that, then you can find out more at the PCOS protocol. So we're the PCOSnutritionist.com forward slash the PCOS protocol, or just hit program from the main menu. Um, and if you've got any further questions, just email us at hello at the PCOSnutritionist.com and we'll be more than happy to get back to you. So that's it for today, but later this week we'll be doing our Q&A podcast. As always, uh, if you've got questions, you can submit them in our Instagram stories. We do a question box in there every week, generally around about a Tuesday or Wednesday. So if you see that pop up, got a question, pop it in there, and I'll pick as many as I can to answer in that Q&A podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye. Now stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS Nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals as appropriate regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice or content contained in our podcast.